What's up, podcasters? My name is Jonathan Bonanno. I am your host, JB. Thank you for joining the Chief Psycho Podcast today. Today, our episode is going to be focusing on workplace culture and diversity within dentistry. And with me, I have a guest star and co-host of today's conversation is Miss Tisha Cagle. I'm very excited to share more about her. Uh, Tisha, she is uh, not only a great friend of mine, but she is the dental diversity diva. She was born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey, where she and her two sisters were the first African-American children to integrate a small Catholic school called Immaculate Conception. At the age of five, she was already keenly aware of her race and how it played a role in how she was treated. She faced some challenges during her six years at the school, but as fate would have it, Immaculate Conception had a partnership program with a nearby Catholic school named Sister Georgine School, which was a school for children with special needs. It was there that she learned to love and celebrate the differences in humanity. After high school, a short time as a certified nursing assistant, she began her path to her career as a registered dental hygienist, where again she was faced with being the only African-American in her incoming class. That's crazy. Now, with 10 years of clinical experience, her certification as a diversity professional and her platform as a national speaker on diversity, inclusion, and equity, she wants to ensure that the dental community is more inclusive and accepting of different cultures. Her goal is to reduce racial, gender, sexuality, age, and disability bias in the hiring process, minimize tensions and incidents of harassment in the office, and increase the patient's comfort and confidence in their provider's cultural awareness and sensitivity overall. Wow, that is amazing. Tisha, I'd love for you to share a little bit more and highlight some of your great experience that you've accumulated over your career. Well, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. Um, I am so happy to be anywhere that you are, honestly, but I'm happy to be a guest here on your podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, so my experiences after embarking on this journey of being a certified diversity professional in the dental space with clinical experience. So you'll find that sometimes corporate entities will hire a chief diversity officer. Usually mm. they have risen through the ranks of a human resources role, right? Um, but we sure. also know that um, in human resources, they aren't necessarily geared towards patient treatment. And they're not also, they're also not, even though they're helpful in a lot of ways, they're not um, there for the overall happiness of the employees. So with my background being uh, more clinical, rising through the trenches, so to speak, even though I wasn't a dental assistant, I did the nurse's assistant thing. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I kind of understand what it takes to make a happy work environment for employees in a different perspective. Um, I also have an attachment to the patients, the patients that we serve, because that's what this is all about. Uh, so with that perspective that I add to that, um, I've done some about 12 offices. I created a customized diversity plan for them. Sometimes I was brought in after a oopsie, we'll call it. Um, <laughs> an inclusion oopsie or sometimes a social media oopsie. Uh, so, you know, changing the minds of someone who has been so set in their ways based on their upbringing, um, that really was trial by fire coming out of the mm. gates with my uh, diversity certification. 
not really knowing how to apply it, but knew I wanted to make a change in the industry. Um, so that really gave me a lot of experience with finding different ways to change minds and giving people different perspectives uh, than their own when looking at things and, and looking at people, honestly. Um, so that has been the beginning part of my journey. And that was very rough on my happiness, to be perfectly honest, <laughs> and on my I own mental imagine. health. You know, going to work and knowing that you're not liked, because really in this situation, the people who need you don't want you, and the mm. people who want you don't necessarily need you. Like, we all have work to do, uh, but the ones that are, you know, my biggest supporters they're my biggest supporters because they see the value in what I do and they've done their own research to, for the betterment of themselves already in different cultures and they've exposed themselves to different cultures. But the more closed-minded practitioner, uh, they don't necessarily see a need for change. The fact of the matter Absolutely. is the demographics in this country are rapidly changing. And right. if they continue to only serve people who think like them and look like them, they will slowly, uh, you know, find themselves out of business because that is not the way that the world is grow growing. And we really right. need to expand our way of practicing and our way of thinking to keep up with the times. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. You've touched on so many great key points. Uh, one in particular was the human resources aspect inside of a dental office. Um, you know, speaking from an HR perspective myself, you don't really see a lot of HR conversations outside of maybe managing payroll and benefit and compensations. There's never a true holistic impact within dentistry from an HR strategy perspective that is geared towards the overarching talent management and people management aspect of it all. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've, I've worked in practices myself, Tisha, where you're dealing with the HR person, but that's just because they've been the office manager there at the same office for 20 plus years. And now suddenly they're the HR guru and not to knock anyone's skill set, but there's so much more that can be brought forward into the conversation. There's yeah. so much more that we can do as leaders, as dental healthcare professionals to see the change and create the change that we actually want to see in our workplace. Um, the other aspect that you also touched on was the needs of, you know, really the workplace culture. You know, how does that actually benefit the practice uh, long term, right? If, if we're not practicing any form of DEI practices or skills or bringing those types of conversations into the space, how can we create the space to really offer that, offer an opportunity for somebody that maybe a minority, uh, somebody that is traveling and transferring from another country and they're wanting to come to the United States because they see they're seeking new opportunities, right? There's so many things that end up taking place that, you know, in dentistry, we don't talk about this very often. Mm -hmm. We talk about some of the routine topics, right? The business practice management, the overarching need for more clinical staff, the shortage of hygienists, the shortage of dentists and dental assistants, all those things that yes, are challenges, but how can we provide the solutions? How can we bring solutions into the conversation that actually support the diversity, inclusion, equity of everyone around us? There's so many things that are at the surface level that we think we begin to know and understand until we dive much deeper. And at that point, we really get to hone in on what those true skills, characteristics, attributes can actually bring to the table. You know, diversity, in my perspective, in my eyes, 
is not just about what people look like. It's about what people bring to the table, new ideas, new conversations, new ways of being that can actually stimulate growth and development in other people. I mean, you and I, I, I'm going to share my own story about Tisha. So when I first met Tisha, we met at the dental festival. And if you have never met Tisha, she is somebody that literally wears her heart on her sleeve. Like you feel the passion and love pouring out from her. And it's not just because she's dancing, loving and rubbing on you, whatever, whatever. It's because that is just who she is, right? She is wanting to see the change in the world. And that's by having an open heart and being open-minded and contributing to conversations that not only will leave you as a better person when you end the conversation, but she feels the value. She knows the value and she sees the value. So with that being said, you know, just a couple of questions for you, Tisha, you know, what does DEI and culture mean to you in the workplace and how can that really benefit, you know, maybe your next client, another client of ours and really benefit from the conversation and the tidbits and the understanding that you have, how can they really take it to the next level? So to answer that, and thank you for, you know, testimony <laughs> about my personality. Uh, but to answer that question, what DE and I means to me, um, it's more than a notion. So we, we mm-hmm. highly focus on diversity, right? But that's just the first step. You know, inviting someone into your office is, is one thing, but um, embracing who you've now invited into your office is how you bring out the best in that person. How you, I mean, there's stats behind this that you increase productivity when you actually invite the person to be their entire self, which is part of why I try to always be my entire self everywhere I go. Um, Because that's what I'm encouraging in in the workplace. You know, you bring in different and diverse talent into your talent pool, but then what do you do once you have them there? You have to support them. You mm-hmm. have to make them feel that their experiences, their life experiences, which is the makeup of their culture, are important and valued. And that's how you get out the best in people. And then also equity to me means that um, people are paid and allowed the ability to move up in your company or even in your office without the anticipated perception of, oh, they're a mother, that'll be too much on them. Mm. Oh, you know, they don't have the the educational background necessarily. If you think about the structure of a dentist's office, most of our offices aren't really based on, you know, necessarily education other than the role of a hygienist and the dentist, right? A lot of it is based on experience. So allowing people to bring forth their best effort and, and realize that they are appreciated within that world culture, you may find that some people rise to the top and can rise to roles that you may not have anticipated them filling, right? Because Absolutely. experience is just one thing, but what you take from those experiences, that's a whole that's a whole nother thing. And in, then incorporating their life experience as well into the practice, uh, that is a benefit as well. So if we're not going to have this structure where everything is based off of education, then why not open the floor for people to show their best talents and their best efforts? Because that is really how a practice would grow. Um, so I would incorporate ways of bringing forth the best out of each and every employee, making them feel valued within their space, giving them a opportunity and a vehicle of 
rising any concerns and complaints other than the suggestion box, uh, because you always know who's suggesting, <laughs> who's suggesting things, but opening the lines of communication where people feel safe to actually communicate so that you know if they're unhappy in their workplace and you have a chance to kind of change that before you find yourself losing employees and wondering what went wrong. Because this, this movement by hygienists and other dental staff that is based on the dollar, that is just a Band-Aid to the idea that a lot of people have been unhappy for a very long time. Right. And they're trying to fill their happiness with money. But we know that that does not work. So we <laughs> work on the culture. You know, this bubble is going to pop eventually. Um, and we need to work on the culture so we can have a better work environment for our employees, which will then turn into a better patient experience as well. Absolutely. You touched on so many great points there, Tisha. And and one of the biggest takeaways I'll take away from that is, again, the culture, right? You know, when we're seeing that there's consistent turnover going on in a practice, that's an indicator for me to understand, you know, what's going on, right? Like, what is having the people that you worked so hard, that have been here for so long, that have, you know, been riding the wave of the mission, the goals, the direction of your team, your organization, your practice, whatever the space or capacity it is, you know, that's an opportunity to to have some intrinsic and some self-reflection, right? Like what is going on? What am I doing? Why am I losing my top tier talent in my practice? We know how difficult it is to bring on uh, new employees and it's only difficult because you'd never know, right? There's always that sense of unaware and lack of understanding of whether or not they are going to be a great right fit for your team. But if you have not set expectations for, what this person is going to do, how they can come in and create new opportunities, because we know the the mundane or routine type roles that are in a dental practice. You have your front office team, you have your clinical team. Um, if you're working in a smaller practice, you probably have two hygienists, maybe an associate with you and two front office people and a handful of dental assistants, depending on the you know busyness of the practice, right? Uh, but how many more things can we actually create, right? Like we talk, you just spoke about succession planning, creating opportunities in the workspace. What if we need a marketing person rather than going and hiring a marketing director? Well, we know Sally is killing it on marketing and she loves social media and she's actually getting her bachelor's in it. Like let's produce and create the space for people that have that level of interest to grow into that opportunity and create it, right? Because it shows not only that, the practice philosophy is open, right? It's open, it's broad, it's willing to create, and it's willing to ideate with people that are wanting to step up and take ownership for, you know, their own succession, their own pla- their own path towards being the next version of themselves, if you will. Um, and touch- touching on the cultural aspect too, you know, my understanding of it, and, you know, there's a lot of history, there's a lot of research around it. And one of the things that I focus on as an IO psychologist is really the cultural development aspects. And there are four main areas of culture that are routinely developed. So we get the clan culture where it's primary focus is mentorship and teamwork. We have ad hocracy culture, which is more in line with risk taking and innovation, you know, people that are creative that are wanting to do a lot more and have that level of open space, if you will. Um, That's what I'll call it. (laughs) Um, The other areas are market culture. You know, it's very much competitive. It's all about growth. It's results oriented. And there is a lot more 
I have seen personally authoritative leadership styles in that type of operating system um, and the workplace environment, which can be a good or bad thing, depending on you know the leader and how they're attributing and how their team is actually responding, most importantly. Um, and one of the, the other areas of culture that I personally feel like it is it needs to go, which is the hierarchy culture. While it does focus on structure and stability, I'm much more inclined to bring forward a holacracy-based model where it's much more collaborative, there's much more team involvement, uh, but it's also a clear distinction that's necessary to be put in the conversation, which is collaborative decision-making and collaborative discussions, because there needs to be a fine line before you actually cross that line, and then you can't make a decision. Then you can't bring things forward because there's never, I don't want to say a, a, line, a line of sight around allegiance, but... It's really just a holistic understanding. So when we look at the cultural aspects again, you know, I'd love to hear from you, Tisha. What are some ways that you've identified that, hey, there's there's something wrong, not only with the diversity and the equity and the opportunities going on in the practice, but you need a culture reset. And before you can move forward, we need to focus on this area first. Mm -hmm. What are some of your like red flags that you see when you're working with the team? Wow. Oh, so... <laughs> Um, some of it is just like unwritten rules, uh, that oh. you can't speak your native language in the office at all. Like not even during your break when you're speaking with colleagues and wow. yeah. So, I mean, and sometimes it, this, this rule is in offices that utilize the bilingual, um, oh. employees. So it's perfectly fine to use your native language when you're bringing money into the office. But other than that, leave your culture at home. Uh, mm. That is sending mixed <laughs> negative messages. Um, because, totally. Yeah, so I I don't like that rule. If people are, I feel, intimidated by not understanding other languages, I feel like we live in a country where you have the opportunity to learn other languages, right? Um, right. So, you know, we have apps for that. Uh, so. <laughs> Google Translate, something. What is it? Rosetta Stone. <laughs> and we have other ways of, you know, there used to be this idea that if someone is speaking in a different language, that they may be talking bad about you or gossiping about mm. you and you don't know. But you know how easily people could text Talking about like, you know, so that paranoia right. is like people have other ways of communicating if they wanted to talk about you. Um, so that right. is kind of null and vo void, I believe, or that mindset is no longer relevant to the time we live in right now. Um, also, just, you know, the mindset of complete and total uniformity. Now, there are benefits to. Uh, verbiage when expressing case acceptance and things of that nature. You want to be on mm -hmm. the same accord on a lot of things when it comes to the perception of the patient and their experience. You know, you don't want to give someone one idea of the benefits of, you know, ortho and the other one, oh, you don't really need ortho. You know what I mean? Like, you don't. <laughs> You want to be in agreement in, in that sense, but you also want to allow people to be themselves so they can better connect with the patient. So um, if they're naturally bubbly and, and things of that nature, if you don't have them in the right role, 
you might want to reassess the roles because there's benefits to all different oh. types of personalities. It's just a yep. matter of finding the right spot for that person. Uh, so, you know, just having a, a looser idea of the roles that, you know, people are in and if they would be better, you know, better for the company if placed in a, in a different role, you know, because those personable right. people, they may make your, your appointment times run behind because they're talking about the patient's cat. You know, so, right. <laughs> you know, so and I've been one of those people. I understand, <laughs> but at the same time, if you can put them in a patient consultation role or something of that nature, where it actually benefits the company for them to have long and you know detailed talks and form a bond with the patient rather than that robot type of, you know, quick, quick move type of person. And there's nothing wrong with that personality as well. You know, the low context communicators, they are beneficial as well. They get the job done. They're systematic. They're usually organized. Uh, So, you know, just looking at everybody for who they actually are. And instead of thinking that, you know, that their personality is a detriment to the, the practice, try to find the benefits of it. Right. Maybe you haven't maximized their personality just yet. You've not found mm-hmm. the right opportunity. How many times have we seen team members navigate between the front and the back office? And now you find somebody that's fully cross-trained. Mm-hmm. So now when Sally or Joe are taking vacation because they're going to Maui, well, now you have somebody that can run both areas, that yes. can do and understand both roles. And I love the fact that you touched on you know, creating the space for people to be authentic. And if there's somebody that wants to be there and have a conversation with you, and you know, sometimes that's what that patient needs. We don't know what they're going through. We only know that they're coming in for a prophy and we know that we got to get them done in an hour, right? Like (laughs) those type of things, we need to expand the conversation much further. Mm -hmm. And I love that you also touched on the relationship piece. I recently heard something from I was, in a, I was in a meeting with a, another person and she was sharing with me this quote that I cannot get out of my head and it's results move at the speed of your relationships. Mm. And that I found to be so profound, especially in dentistry, because we're all about the experience. You know, we put our patients first. How do we set ourselves apart from the other dental office down the street or the other 10 that are popping up around us? It's by that experience. It's by the relationship, how we're making our patients feel when they come into our office, when they get to meet with Tisha for their cleaning today, or they get to meet with Jonathan because I'm checking them out that morning or that afternoon, whatever the case might be. It's having that type of open dialogue that actually stimulates cultural and diverse growth of the practice because we're finding ways to champion the change rather than sit around waiting for somebody else to create it. And I think that's what's the most important part inside of why I want to make sure I have this conversation with you, Tisha, is because you are the change agent. You do not signify yourself or identify as the dental diversity diva if you did not have a mission on this world to change dentistry in a diverse, profound way. And that is what I think is super, super cool. Uh, so last note for today, what's the best way for someone to get a hold of you, Tisha, if they want to learn more, they love to have another interview or maybe interested in bringing you on to help coach and facilitate some workshops in their practice, what's a good way of getting in touch with you? Well, they could always contact you because you know how to get in touch with me. <laughs> that is true. 
Yes, I have my website, uh, dentaldiversitydiva.com. I also have my personal email, Tisha, which may be hard for some to spell. There's just one E, -E T-E-S-H-A, at dentaldiversitydiva.com that you can contact me through. Um, But all the links are on my website as well. Uh, And, you know, I'm active on social media Facebook is my jam because I'm in my <laughs> so. Uh, but, um, and if you saw Tisha in person, she looks younger than me, so it's crazy. <laughs> so um, and yes, I'm also on IG. So any of those ways, I'm always open to have conversations. Um, and because this is like somewhat uncharted territory, I'm not one of those where, you know, if you're not talking dollars, we're not talking. Like, I really don't act like mm. that. This is about the change. This is about the necessary change in dentistry. Um, and I know that some conversations just need to be had so people have a better understanding of the change that needs to take place. And it does not always equate to, you know, dollars in the pocket. Um, so I'm open <laughs> to having conversations. So don't be intimidated to reach out to me. Awesome. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much again, Tisha, for being our guest star on today's episode of Workplace Culture and Diversity in Dentistry. Again, my name is Jonathan Bonanno. I'm your host of Chief Psycho Podcast. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you.